It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors finished their seven-game Western road trip to save the season with a four and three record. Everything is fine, right? Eh, Those games were kind of a bummer. We're going to talk about those games and what it means for the Raptors going into the deadline, whether or not their direction will be altered at all. Plus, Kyrie Irving was dealt over the weekend, and there are ramifications around the league, including potentially for your Toronto Raptors. We'll talk about that as well on today's episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1335 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, February the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube. You can go hit the big red subscribe button over there on the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel. And uh, you've done a wonderful service to help support the show so thanks in advance, and thanks to all of those in the little Locked On Raptors YouTube family we've established who have already subscribed to the channel. You're all the best. All right. On today's show, we are going to dig into the wins over the weekend against the Rockets and Grizzlies and why I don't think they've changed a whole lot. In fact, maybe they've just made it even more clear that change needs to happen with this Raptors team because, boy, oh boy, those were some dispiriting wins 
which is not a thing you often see, of course. Uh, We're also going to dig into the Kyrie Irving deal and what the fallout could be as it relates to the Raptors when it comes to the trade market. We got the good, the bad, and the hmm, all of that. Before we do that, should tell you, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked on. All right. On today's show, let's uh, dive in, shall we, to the, uh, <laughs> the wins against the Rockets and Grizzlies on Friday and Sunday. Two of the least inspiring wins I think you'll ever see. The Rockets game, just kind of, you know, a wire-to-wire beating of a really bad team by a team that is itself not very good right now. Uh, you know, there were some nice moments, of course. Gary Trent Jr. had himself a, a pretty nice performance in that one. Goes off for, what was it, 29 points on 10 of 15. Felt like he couldn't miss. That was cool. Fred Van Vliet had himself an awesome game. 32 points, 5 of 11 from downtown. Continuing to uh, add a lot of complexity to the argument whether you should trade Fred Van Vliet or not. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later on, especially when it comes to the fallout from the Nets thing. Um, But, you know, Fred was really good. You obviously, against the Grizzlies, you have Scotty Barnes with a couple of big late buckets and a great stop on Jaron Jackson Jr. to close out the game. That was great. The first... 45 minutes of that game were not particularly great or fun and kind of just it seemed as though it was amplifying all the things we already know about this Raptors team the defense is terrible the coaching seems to be a little off right now and the team doesn't really seem all that connected um just the the roster not deep whatsoever all of these problems that we've known forever are once again read their ugly heads in a couple of games the Raptors pulled out the funny thing is the Raptors now sit 25 and 30 tied for the last play-in spot. We'll talk about that in the good and the bad and the hmm later on. But just to kind of put a bow on this weekend, it, it, it really did feel like this was, you know, a, a sham of a last chance for the Raptors to, you know, change the minds of the front office. I feel like by the end of last week, we kind of knew, all right, this is not it. This is not going anywhere. Something's got to change here. You know, that Suns game really stood out as a big bummer of a loss. The Jazz game was a really nasty performance. And, you know, the Rockets are really bad. You should not take any pride in beating the Houston Rockets. That's barely a basketball team. It might be one of the most nonsensical basketball teams I've ever seen. Reminds me of the very early Darius Garland, Colin Sexton Cavs when Kevin Porter Jr. was also on that team. Maybe he's the common denominator in nonsensical basketball. But, um, you know, just a, a really, really really awful basketball team that the Raptors should have beaten way more handily than they did. They only beat them by six. Obviously, the the, the Rockets made a bit of a game of it late. It, it wasn't ever really in doubt for the Raptors, but you get another sort of off performance from Pascal Siakam, who was very clearly gassed and, and totally winded, you know, 23-6-4 on 10 of 20. Not bad, but like not making his usual imprint on the game that we've seen or that we did see for the first two and a half months of the season, three months of the season. Um, Scotty Barnes had himself a bit of a rough game as well. And, you know, you just don't get a lot from the bench. You get one guy scoring points off the bench. You get some horrible minutes from Malachi Flynn. Um, Even Christian Coloco wasn't terribly impressive. I know he got his, you know, his rebounds, his blocks. That was nice to see. He had himself uh, a nice performance, but no scoring punch whatsoever. Uh, The bench continues to be, you know, what it is. And we've known all these issues, right? Nothing's new. The Grizzlies game comes along a lot of the same. The defense completely, uh, you know, they only give up 103 points, but the Grizzlies were without John Morant and Steven Adams and Dylan Brooks. You should beat that team. Um, You know, it's just, it's, (laughs) at this point, man, 
it just the vibes the the way the team just seems very disjointed disconnected disinterested i can't blame them necessarily all their names are in trade rumors the the all-star break is drawing near they've lost a lot of games they've been on hard times as a team i understand human nature wise why it feels so off right now but i think very clearly there is something off here the mix is wrong and there's got to be some sort of move to happen before the deadline even if you think that the Raptors winning these games gives them some hope for the plane. If you are someone who wants them to push for the plane, which I think is a totally reasonable thing to want, despite what the draft Knicks out there will tell you, uh, the plane is fun and cool, and it is the thing that will give you moments to remember the season by if things go well. All of that, I've made the arguments a million times before. I think the plane's fine um, if you want to make it and push for it. I think there's plenty of value in it, but I think it's going to have to come with a new sort of revamped version of the team as the result of a couple of moves here, because something is just off, wrong in the water with the Raptors right now, and a couple of wins against the Rockets and a severely shorthanded Grizzlies team, I don't think are going to change the minds of anybody. You know, again, there, there were some things over the weekend that at least make you have pause or make you think again going into the deadline. I think Fred Van Vliet is the number one thing that makes you rethink things going into the deadline. He was awesome against the Rockets on Friday. He's been awesome for a month now. Um, even against the Grizzlies, I, I thought he had a, you know didn't have the greatest shooting night or anything like that. He was just six of 19, two of nine from deep, but 15, five and seven, um, you know, had some big pockets in the game where he kind of got the Raptors offense moving once they really went pick and roll heavy, for example. He was a big orchestrator in a lot of their late success offensively in this game. Fred Van Vliet is very good at basketball. And if you're the kind of person who wants to see Fred Van Vliet stick around and thinks maybe moving him at the deadline is a bit of a risky game to play, I think I consider myself in that bunch, then maybe, uh, you know, the, the, the weekend is, you know, tells you even further in that direction. Ultimately, while I think the Raptors should keep Fred Van Vliet because the replacement for him is not clear to me, if you have a clear plan to replace him, sure. But if you're going into next season and not doing a full teardown of your roster and going in assuming that Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam are going to be the pillars around which everything is built, you got to have a Fred Van Vliet-like player on the roster as of opening day next season. I think that's just not debatable. And Fred Van Vliet might be the very best option for that. Um, you know, I know I've kind of made this point till I'm blue in the face. You're probably sick of hearing it right now. But unless there's an actual plan going into the deadline on Thursday, moving Fred could be something that sets you back in a pretty substantial way going into next year. And I, I just don't think you can waste next year. Pascal Siakam is still excellent. For Scotty Barnes is getting better. Um, you have to go and try to make a jump next year and improve upon what you did this season with whatever you add in the draft, whatever other assets you pick up at the deadline. Fred Van Vliet feels like he can be a solution over someone who's part of the problem. That said, I will totally understand if they move him by the deadline. I can't be upset about it. The team has not done anything to prove it's worth keeping together at this point, and so I'll make my peace with it. And we'll get into, in a second, a couple of potential deals surrounding Fred Van Vliet that uh, I think are kind of interesting, not only with the Clippers, who we've talked about a ton, but now the Nets who just might be in the market for some improvements now that they have gone and traded away Kyrie Irving in the smartest thing the franchise has done ever. Uh... 
We're going to continue on here in just one moment and do all of that. Before we do that, however, i got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who have made daily fantasy sports fun, easy, accessible, a great time for all, really, and it's just it's a better way to play fantasy sports. It's not the full season slog. It's not the other daily fantasy apps where you're going and competing against a shadow expert with a team you haven't seen before behind the curtain. No, it's just you against the projections the way it should be. All you got to do is pick two to six players on a given entry. It can be all for one sport, like the NBA, or it can be cross-sport. You can feature all sorts of women's college basketball, European basketball, disc golf, and then an NBA player or two. They can all be on your entry. It's that simple. If you win with the six players on your entry, you can win about 25 times your money on that entry. That's a ton of fun. No competing against other people. Again, it's just you against the projections the way it should be. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe and easy, and it's super fast withdrawals as well on your money. Currently operational in over 30 states in Canada, minus the province of Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit 100 bucks, PrizePix is going to give you $100 just to hang out with that 100 bucks in your account. That's a great deal. Go do it right now. The promo code locked on for an instant sign up deposit match up to 100 bucks with prize picks. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Before we move forward, just a reminder, the NBA trade deadline, of course, is on Thursday, and Locked On has you covered. Thursday, February the 9th, tune into the Locked On NBA YouTube channel at 2 p.m. Eastern time to hear reaction from the trades that will change the rest of the NBA season. Who becomes contenders? Who's tanking for a better future? What did the Raptors do? I'll be there. You can see me there over on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA YouTube channel and don't miss a deal. All right, let's continue on here and uh, take a look at the fallout of the Kyrie Irving nonsense, which all happened in the time from when we recorded the podcast on Friday with Joe uh, up up until yesterday. Uh, (laughs) Very quick turnaround. Kyrie Irving is no longer a Brooklyn Net. Brooklyn Nets fans rejoice. The Mavericks are one step closer to not having Luka Doncic on their team because, uh, guess what? They're not going to fix Kyrie, same as the other teams haven't been able to. Uh, and uh, I relish the Mavs being, uh, you know, in for some pain here because that franchise deserves it. Besides the point, Kyrie Irving no longer on the Nets. The Nets now have, you would think... Some incentive to go make some more moves before the deadline, and this could have Raptors implications, of course. Uh, You know, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet in particular, feel like very interesting targets if you are the Brooklyn Nets right now. Of course, you have Spencer Dinwiddie who comes in in place of Kyrie Irving, I guess, as the nominal point guard on the Nets. 
Dinwiddie, you know, I think you can kind of take or leave depending on, you know, your persuasion. He, of course, was very good against Luka Doncic or with Luka Doncic getting a bazillion open threes. He had 40, you know, hit 40% of his threes this year. That's not been his career average by any means. He's been a pretty mediocre shooter throughout his career. Uh, and so maybe the Nets are thinking, all right, how do we upgrade on Spencer Dinwiddie, A, to improve our chances of competing this year, and B, to try to keep Fred Van Vliet, sorry, keep Kevin Durant in town. Before we dive into anything else, Raptors fans who want Kevin Durant on the Raptors, he's not getting traded before Thursday. There's just no way that's happening. The Nets didn't do it in the offseason when they had all the time in the world to put a deal together and they they held steadfast because he has four years on his contract. He still has three plus years on his contract and I just don't see them moving on from him in the next three days if they didn't do it in the offseason this feels like if Durant's going to ask out, it's more of a summer thing. But maybe Kevin Durant's going to enjoy just getting to play normal basketball with real, acceptable role players. Who's to say? That might be the thing Kevin Durant enjoys the most. He's talked a lot about wanting to help guys improve their careers and make more money and all this stuff. That's what he feels like his legacy is. Maybe he's very down with this ragtag crew of role players around him. Either way... Fred Van Vliet would be a really nice piece for that team. OG Ananobi would be a really nice piece for that team. I think the former is more likely to be a match for the Nets, just because I don't know if the Nets have enough stuff to get into the OG Derby if there is, in fact, a bidding war going on around the league, which a lot of the reports suggest that just might happen before Thursday. With Fred, you know, I think the deal you look at, if there is going to be something there... It's sort of a completion of a three-team deal, essentially, if they wait to put the paperwork through with the Mavericks. Uh, you know, it could be that Spencer did what he gets rerouted to the Raptors in addition to maybe that Dallas pick, that the unprotected 2029 pick that's involved in the Kyrie deal, or the top eight 2027 Sixers pick that's protected uh, that they got in the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade. That one feels more likely. If you were to pair Fred Van Vliet, sorry, send Fred Van Vliet to the Nets, get Spencer Dinwiddie and that pick back... I could maybe talk myself into that if I'm the Raptors. I still would much prefer the Clippers potential package that we've kicked around here. And the fact that the reporting suggests the Clippers offered very similar deals to what we've talked about as far as frameworks for Fred Van Vliet, maybe is something to look at here. The reporting suggests that it was Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, uh, salary filler stuff, and then their 2028 first round pick and a couple of pick swaps. That was the offer from the Clippers to the Nets for Kyrie Irving. I don't know about you. I know Kyrie gets the buckets and has the handle and all of this. Fred Van Vliet helps the Clippers more than Kyrie Irving, in addition to not bringing all of the other stuff that comes with Kyrie Irving, in addition to also being a way more reasonable player to pay the next four years to, as opposed to Kyrie Irving, if you're the Clippers, who don't have a ton of capacity to add without trading for guys who they can then sign with bird rights. That would be the plan if they had gotten Kyrie Irving, and presumably would be the plan if they end up getting Fred Van Vliet. And as much as Kyrie is a better, more talented basketball player than Fred Van Vliet, it's undeniable to me that Fred would be better in the Clippers' pursuit of a championship than Kyrie would. So why not? Why wouldn't the Clippers then go and offer a similar package? Maybe you take off one or one or both of the swaps you offered. Why wouldn't you offer a similar deal to the Raptors for Fred Van Vliet? If the Raptors can get that, and the package I've come up with for the money reasons is Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Amir Coffey, that 2028 first, and then maybe a swap. I, like, if the Raptors can get that, that I think is the best you're going to do for Fred Van Vliet, and you pull that trigger. 
past that, maybe that that Sixers pick is good enough in 2027 that it makes it intriguing for you if you're the Raptors that you go pull the trigger there, especially since Spencer Dinwiddie can come in, be an off-ball player for this Raptors team. He was quite good at it with the ball in his hands, you know, sporadically down in Dallas. Maybe he helps fill in the playmaking void that you're going to lose with Fred Van Vliet, and he signed through next season so he can be a bit of a stopgap player for you as well that you, in theory, could then go move next year to a contender if he's playing well. You know, I think that's an okay deal. Honestly, though, anything beyond that Clippers deal, and I think I'm pretty squeamish about moving on from Fred Van Vliet because I just don't see that you're going to get proper value. Man, Kennard, and Coffee, along with that pick, along with a swap, hell yeah. That, to me, is enough to, to say, yes, Fred Van Vliet, go and move on from him and just kind of bite the bullet there, even though I think there's a lot of risk to it no matter what, because Terrence Mann is not replacing Fred Van Vliet. Luke Kennard is not replacing Fred Van Vliet. The hope is that sort of as an amalgamation of players, plus whatever else you might get from trading Gary Trent Jr. or OG, within there somewhere is a replacement for what Fred Van Vliet does for you going into next season. Um, When it comes to OG in the Nets, I, I think this one's a little less likely. There are some possibilities. It's also worth noting that with Spencer Dinwiddie, he can't be packaged with other players per the salary cap rules. He's got to be traded on his own uh, just because of the way it works. He was traded on his own. He can only be traded as a singular player. He can't be attached to any other Nets players in a potential package, which is why the Fred thing is interesting to me. He would not be involved, in theory, in a potential deal for OG and Anobi. What that deal would look like, I think it's probably sort of like a middling deal in if you go back to Friday's episode with Joe and we talked about all the various OG packages out there this one isn't the worst but it's not the best the best I could come up with is Joe Harris Cam Thomas uh Dayron Sharp and then both the Mavericks pick and the Sixers pick that the Nets have to dangle around if I'm the Nets I might look long and hard at that uh OG would be a really really great fit on that team the Nets don't have a ton of long-term money committed to anybody now because all their superstars have abandoned their their, their city and so you could probably talk yourself into comfortably play, paying OG's next contract um I, I could totally see something there beyond that it's really hard to get the money together from the Nets to go and do something substantial you know they're not going to get both OG and Fred Van Vliet they're not going to go get Pascal Siakam that's just not they don't have the stuff for that they don't have the the assets Um, but that OG for Cam Thomas you have to put Cam Birch I think sort of matching salary going back the other way but Cam Thomas Joe Harris uh, Dayron Sharp and then those picks I think is at least interesting and gets you kind of a, be- a bit of a best of both worlds thing right you get young players you get Joe Harris who can instantly be your starting two, go- two guard makes it more palatable to trade Gary Trent Jr. perhaps uh, and then you get you know Cam Thomas who maybe is a bit of a lightning rod scorer for you type I'm not totally sold on Cam Thomas and your evaluation of that trade package maybe hinges upon how much you like Cam Thomas or not um, but to me those are the sort of net deals that are now potentially on the table as things to throw into the mix for the Raptors' main guys. And, uh, you know, I would like to see that Clippers deal come together for Fred. I think they'd be stupid not to offer the same thing they offered for Kyrie for Fred, um, considering all the nonsense that Kyrie Irving comes with and the, uh, you know, the, the nuclear bomb that he can be to your franchise and your locker room and all that. Fred Van Vliet is the exact opposite of Kyrie Irving in many, many ways. Uh, <laughs> and I think he'd be an awesome fit on that Clippers team. We'll see. We're going to talk about this stuff all week, I would assume. Um, but that's just sort of the read on the latest uh, out of the league after the Kyrie stuff, based on all the reporting from all the insider types. We're going to come back on the other side, get to the good, the bad, and the hmm from the weekend and uh, wrap this one up. We're going to do that. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who make the best tasting protein bars in the game. 
Gotta tell you, man, Built Bars rock. I am a, a cross-country skier. It's a very demanding sport, lots of uh, calories burned, and Built Bars have become my go-to way to power me through a big, long cross-country ski. I went for one on Saturday, had a Built Bar just before I hit the trails, and it really does help. You get 17 grams of protein, you get only 130 calories, which is great compared to your typical candy bars, and they are covered under 100% Covered in 100% real chocolate. They're delicious. They only have four grams of sugar. With all of that still considered, that's amazing. And you can also go right now to your nearest Walmart today to pick them up in the pharmacy section. Go and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Of course, everyone loves the puffs, the marshmallowy delights that Built offers as well. Go check them out right now. Built Bar at your nearest Walmart. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's round out the show here on a Monday with the good, the bad, and the hmm. A good thing from the weekend I liked, a thing I did not like, and a thing that's got me questioning, uh, looking at a potential burgeoning trend, whatever it might, might be. Lots of room for freestyle in that hmm section. But let's get to the good, shall we? The good is Crunch Time Scotty Barnes, who I believe now is 23 of 39 in crunch time situations, meaning the final five minutes of a game within five points either way. That is behind De'Aaron Fox as the best in the NBA. Scotty Barnes, stealth, uh, what is it, Jerry West Clutch Player of the Year award winner? Uh, hey, on the table. That's fun. That's cool. He's really awesome late in games. And... I think for me, I know there's a lot of frustration about Scotty Barnes not doing it over the course of 48 games, but to me, it's still just the flashes of what Scotty Barnes can do that give me a whole lot of optimism. They're the reason why I'm very bullish on where Scotty, Gar Scotty Barnes is going to end up. The stuff he does at a high level when he's really on is stuff that not many people can do. He can get to his own spots Basically, it will. He can score over some of the best rim protectors in the NBA. He's done it against Robin Lopez. He did it against Jaron Jackson Jr. in crunch time. Dude can go and score against anybody when he really wants to. A couple of threes made yesterday as well. That's always encouraging to see that he's shot ready. You know, all of these sort of, oh, he's Ben Simmons. He can't shoot. That's ridiculous because Ben Simmons doesn't even consider taking a three. I'm pretty sure Scotty Barnes took more threes yesterday than Ben Simmons has in his entire career. They are not the same player by any means. And Scotty just has this kind of sense for the moment, for kind of taking the game by the horns when he has to. And to me... That is why you get optimistic about what he can be and what this Raptors team can be. A Raptors team that still, despite being 25 and 30, is just nowhere near as bad as its record suggests it is. They've played horrible basketball. The defense makes no sense, but the offense has come around, and I still think if you're looking at reasons why you don't get crazy at this deadline, which might be out of the bag, they're probably going to go do lots of stuff at the deadline. But if you're one of the people who's like, opting for patience and maybe not not necessarily wanting to see them make trades just for the sake of making trades scotty barnes is your vehicle to improvement from within and having this team take potentially another step next season it's going to require him to string it together over the course of full games and the effort can't wane the focus can't wane the same way it has at lots of times this year but 
he's really, really good. <laughs> and if you're, you know, this is why I've never subscribed to the idea that the Raptors are some stuck-on-the-treadmill middle team that's going to be here forever. They have Scotty Barnes. They have already gotten their lottery luck that so many teams jump into the lottery for years hoping to achieve, but do not. And for me... You know, if you're looking at this team as something that's going to be built around Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes going forward, there's no reason to think they're that far off from being good. We know the chemistry is a mess this year. We know the on-court fit, the lack of very obvious skills, both in ball handling, shooting, big man play. It's all very real. All of it has to be addressed, but the important stuff is figured out. You have Scotty Barnes. And, you know, obviously he's still a ways off from becoming the peak of whatever Scotty Barnes is going to be. But what we saw in crunch time yesterday with the uh, the big defensive stop on Jackson Jr., the two makes, of course, down the stretch as well, um, what we've seen from him defensively just as like a roamer off the ball, he's really improved there. The counting stats are starting to come along. He's picking up blocks and steals like crazy. Um, you know, he's not a great on-ball defender. We know this. But there's enough there in terms of flashes of what Scotty Barnes, the full end package, is going to be that I think you don't got to get too nuts here. This is not some tear it down to the studs and rebuild from nothing type of team because they already have Scotty Barnes, and that, to me, is very good. Let's go to the bad, shall we? And I do feel like, right now, the coaching is a, a big weakness of this Raptors team. And look, it's really hard for me to just come out and say that. I'm not in the room. I'm not in the meetings. I'm not the one putting together the game plans before games begin. But just... As an outside observer, this team looks like it has very few ideas defensively, which is, again, supposed to be Nick Nurse's kind of whole thing, is having ideas and being adaptable and changing things up. They have not done that. Part of it's due to personnel. They don't have a ton of personnel to change things up with, of course, so that's not necessarily on Nurse, but effort and trying and, like, just it feels like a lot of these things are coach-related, coachy, malaise type stuff. I'm not saying that the Raptors have given up on Nick Nurse, but I do think there's maybe been some give up on the way they play basketball right now, and I do think we've got to see Nick Nurse. If it's not going to be down the stretch of this season, since in season it's very hard to totally change your identity, but maybe the, the infusion of some new players, new faces before after the deadline might make that a little easier. We'll see. Either way, I just think it's very clear there's some sort of disconnect going on between what's the, being told by the coaching staff to the players to do and what the players are doing. Some of it is player-related, of course, but it just feels like there's something off in the water once again, and I can't not think that there's got to be some sort of adaptation coaching-wise. In fairness to Nick Nurse, we've seen it on offense. The offense has become way more sustainably good looking over the last month or so it, it looks healthier there's more pick and roll there's a more sort of established hierarchy of who gets the looks and when it's less dependent on pascal siakam having to create everything all the time that's good we've got to see something like that defensively and, and i just i do wonder like at what point does nick nurse's future come into question with the raptors i'm not saying you fire him now i think there's lots of reasons to not fire him as our pal vivek jacob has said many times on this show there should be room for coaches to grow and adapt and learn. We're at the point now where things have gone so badly for the Raptors, specifically on the defensive end, that they're going to have to adapt and learn. Nick Nurse is going to have to change up the MO, 
at the very least going into next season, and that will be the inflection point at which you determine whether Nick Nurse is here for the long haul. Because if nothing changes, if they play this same unsustainable, too high energy demanding defense, then I do wonder if maybe the decision is made on Nick Nurse sometime next season. But for now... It's just something feels off. And it's maybe not just the coaching that's bad. It's just the whole vibe of everything going on with the Raptors right now is bad, even coming off of two wins. It was nice to see some smiles and some joy after they pulled that one out against the Grizzlies, for sure. I don't want to downplay what a nice fourth quarter that was for the Raptors, even though it was against a shorthanded Grizzlies team. But overall, that Rockets game, I think, is still just kind of burned into my brain as, wow, no one wants to be here, huh? This is a nightmare game against a really bad team that against anybody else probably would have ended in a loss. Let's go to the hmm, shall we? The hmm is... uh, are the Raptors maybe going to be like over 500 in a couple of weeks' time? <laughs> um, the schedule is not hard for the Raptors uh, in the coming days and weeks here as they get back home. They play the Spurs on Wednesday. Then they play the Jazz on Friday, who uh, might have traded half their roster by the time Friday rolls around. Then they get the Pistons on Sunday. The Magic next Tuesday, and then the Pelicans, who have just lost 10 games in a row. I believe they're still in a death spiral. I don't know if they, they won over the weekend. Let me just see for, for accuracy's sake. Yeah, they did win over the weekend, but uh, they lost 10 in a row very, very recently. And then they play the Pistons again after that. <laughs> like there's a, there's a world here where the Raptors go and win. And then you get like the Cavs, sure, but the Raptors beat the Cavs every time. You get the Bulls, they're bad. They're probably going to have traded guys by the time they play. Uh, the Wizards twice, not very good. Like between now and March the 4th, the Raptors play what I would say is one good team or at least one team that is in good form. And uh, we could see the Raptors go on a bit of a heater here. As much as that's going to piss everybody off, it could very well happen just because the schedule is what it is. And the Raptors are, of course, as all the numbers suggest, not nearly as bad as their record says that they are. We could be looking at a team that's like 32 and 31 not too long from now, which is nuts and stupid. That, of course, requires them to take care of business and beat the bad teams, which they have not always done. By no means am I predicting they're going to go and be 32 and 31 at some point, but the schedule is lining up here as they return home for five games to begin with. Uh, You know, especially if they make some moves at the deadline. Maybe you move an OG, maybe you move a Gary Trent Jr., Fred, obviously. You get an infusion of new talent. It won't necessarily be a good team, that whatever the sort of leftovers are, but maybe it's a good enough team with Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua kind of playing it out the string down the stretch and maybe trying, maybe giving it their their all, that type of stuff. Uh, Maybe we see the Raptors actually make moves and then go on a run to the play-in. I think that's very much on the table and everyone's going to be so mad that I kind of want to see it happen because it would be hilarious. Anyway, the schedule's really easy coming up and uh, this could be a, a bit of a run here percolating for the Raptors, which would be really, really stunning stuff. <laughs> After all we've been through... The Eastern Conference, the, the back part of the plan, not exactly loaded with teams that are winning a ton of games right now. Either the Wizards have lost twice in a row, the Bulls can never get it together, the Pacers are out of the plan now and completely tumbling. The, the Raptors are uh, are right there. They're half a game back of 10th right now from the Wizards. The Wizards have played a few fewer games. But uh, boy, oh boy, it's going to get weird. People are going to get real mad if they don't end up in the, the upper tier of the lottery. But I think you got to prepare yourself for that reality. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. We're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. Vivek Jacob will be by, and we will go through our wish lists of what we'd actually like to see happen before the deadline. And sort of pipe dreams, things we really want to see go down. 
We will also have Katie Heindel on this week. We'll probably do a pre-deadline mailbag on Wednesday. So get your questions ready for that. You can drop them in the comments down here. Just note that it's a mailbag question for Wednesday if you'd like to do that, if you're watching on YouTube. And uh, we've got, of course, the deadline coverage all week long. It's going to be wild. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen, Locked On Leafs. As the All-Star break is over, the stretch drive begins, the NHL trade deadline's not too far off, and Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti are doing a great job covering the buds all year long, every single day over there as well. So go give them a subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And with that, we'll leave you there. Talk to you Tuesday. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.